Yep. Living in a science. Oh, you're gonna do that one? Yeah. Take both those files. It's all you. Oh hi. I didn't see you come in, Mark. Hi, Todd. How are you? This is good. This is a fun intro. It song. is. I'm celebrating the fact that I have my little stream deck. I have no way to control the volume, of course. But we have four seconds left. Oh, it does fade out. My my precious, precious stream deck full of my my sounders. Oh, and it's, it's so it's so good. You are fake news. I mean, we have classics. The show has suffered. Let let's <laughs> let's blame it all on the fact that we have not had had our precious stream deck. But I I wanted to play the the Mexican city of Guadalajara. <laughs> oh, it's genius, is what it is. How have you been doing? <laughs> uh, not as well as I am right now. Vulnerable. 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 <laughs> he can say it right now every time, and like he has Doubt perfect it. dictation with that <laughs> word now. Diction, dictation, yes. Somebody next to him writing it down as he says it. Perhaps he was dictated. Um, <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Um, I'm well. We went to the Olympic Game Farm yesterday, which is a drive-through uh, animal. Uh, farm. How far away? Things. How far away is that? Uh, way too far from here. So <laughs> it's uh, it ends up being about four hour drive from Portland, and so okay. it, it's at the, the north far of edges of Squim on oh, your way to okay. Port Angeles. Okay, and so, so that's yeah, that's out where I just was. Yeah, it's, it's for it's vacation, way up there, and uh, and you drive through and and you're coddled into thinking that everything's pretty. Uh, mundane for the first three quarters of the the experience you get to see zebra and yaks and and llamas and and stuff and they're all like you're i was there with my nieces uh seven-year-old and three and they're just hurtling bread (laughs) out the window at peacocks you know (laughs) she's like they have seven uh, loaves of bread around <laughs> them you don't need to give them any more save your bread i promise you and they're like just uh, maybe they need two more yeah just come on and uh and so the last little bit is where you get elk and then bison and then deer and the deer are fine the elk and bison the elk are fairly um needy food wise <laughs> and the bison are relentless food mongers that will try to move your vehicle so we had one trying to open the door it was pulling on the door handle actively pulling on the door handle and their head is larger than a wind your window so they can't put their whole head in but they put their whole snout in uh, and they're just drooling and stuff coming out of their and, nose and, and salivating ma- massive amount of air coming out uh, of there. Just, <sighs> you know, just on you, in you, through you. And so like the temperature inside the car <laughs> went to like a hundred because it was full of bison breath. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're just, their tongue is like 12 inches long and just, 
looking for the because they can't see because they can only get their snout in there and so they're they're just fishing for right. a piece of bread and and so the girls are panicked <laughs> and Nick has rolled up his window. Meanwhile, I'm rolling down his window. And <laughs> he's like, no, 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 no. And we have a guy out in the area going, keep the cars moving. Don't stop. Keep the cars move, move along. And I'm like, I'm surrounded by bison. Like they... And drive so, over them and so we're pushing them with the car and they're they're keeping pace with us they're like uh, we found the gold mine of bread and uh and so the girls are just hurtling like go away well, their whole their whole existence is <laughs> daily practice on things that get people to give them food and they have it down They've like refined. oh if i just if i stick my tongue in, if i if i run at the car they'll really get excited and throw things at us they do and they have figured it out and so uh, we did that, and then uh, we went back for seconds and did it again. <laughs> so we're like, you know what we haven't done enough is had a bison head in, in our lap. And, they, and I, I've never and it been... Was hilarious I, and fun. I've never been super close to a bison, but I've seen them in real life, and they are huge. Enormous. There's just no... And when you're in a car and the... The head comes up. It's it's such a Jurassic Park eye looking in the window moment, and and the the whole head their people is, just is against down. against the window, and there's just the eye in the middle, and then he just turns, puts his snout in on you, and he's just he's looking for bread, uh, and it's amazing. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, they were all saying a moment ago. I ordered peanuts. <laughs> unrelated yes uh, well i was thinking of a question this week that i would just wondered out loud because i'm fascinated of course by uh how sound is transmitted in headphones and all of that and the idea of noise i've never worn noise canceling headphones but the idea is simple enough for me to grasp you know that you just reverse you the, literally are saying that statement while wearing, you're wearing noise canceling headphones. headphones okay okay <laughs> noted they are not mine okay. <laughs> here for the podcast. <laughs> anyway, I was wondering if there were ways to employ that same technology, like in an arena, in a crowd, like what would that yeah, the, experience so it's trick. be? It, it's, there's a trick. And so cars employ this for noise canceling within the car. Huh. Uh, and the problem with area arenas is you're dealing with a point a physical point in space that gets canceled, not general sound that gets canceled. So what happens is a wave, um, and you think of like the, the top of the first wave being A, and then the bottom B, C, or <laughs> A, B, A, B, okay. A, B. And, <clears throat> and that is the sound traveling to you there's a device on your head that hears that and injects a B-A-B-A to cancel out that wave that's coming into your ears. Right. So that when I take A, and uh, which is the top of the wave, and B, which is the bottom of the wave, and I put those together, that makes a zero null. And so you can't do that 
generally out in space. You can only do it to a fixed point in space. And that's why cars are able to do it because they can inject at a specific point in space, which is where your head lives as a driver or as a passenger. And so they have speakers that are are injecting i like how it like uh, it's very sunny outside and all of a sudden a cloud like covered and like as mark is telling me all this information i find terrifying about how there's hidden speakers canceling things out without my knowledge it got super Super dark dark. all of a sudden just in a split second um it was like it was like a bison was out our window (laughs) probing our area with its tongue looking for crackers and so in a general area it's it's meaningless and you'll you'll tend to because if you're off by a quarter of a wavelength it gets louder not quieter oh i see i see i see that makes sense and so you can't you have to be very specific right otherwise uh it's chaos right and that makes sense if you picture it like at the the surface of a lake where two ripples are yep. bouncing into each other and then causing other waves from that canceled wave right. point. Okay. Right. I'll allow it. So the question I was thinking last night Ooh. was how how accurate is the North Star? And and so and and the the second question to that is what are the odds that the North Star is exactly where it is? Be, because it's a, a prominent star. It's not the it's brightest. I can never find. It's <laughs> you can never find. But it's a prominent star. It's not super dim. It's findable. It's seeable with the naked eye in a metropolis, right. you know, with, with a lot of light pollution. And there's not a, like, the sky isn't full of that constantly, right? And so there's, there's points. Mm-hmm. How close is the North Star to being exactly perfectly north, which is statistically crazy? Yeah. And then you think of uh, as uh, with the equivalent brightness of stars, what are the statistical odds of that star being exactly where it is? And then one of the brightest. And then, yeah. That we use to navigate for right. all of human history, and and the, you know there isn't a South Star, uh, you know South Pole star. Uh, there is a cluster that they <laughs> South use. South Pole and, is a cluster. <laughs> South Pole is a cluster. Uh, and but I was I was just thinking like, what are the odds? <laughs> like it's it, it, really it, it is pretty amazing. wild. But would would we? I mean, we obviously wouldn't notice if it if it wasn't there. So. just the fact that it is completely random and then we assigned so much meaning to it like that. Right. Well, if you take any time elapse photo of the sky, it's instantly recognizable because all the other stars are rotating around Around it. it. Right. And there's this one point right in the middle. That's super weird. And, um, and so I want to do, the math of like like maybe it is way more important than we think that's like <laughs> that's where the that's where eternity lives and everything revolves around that it might be yeah yeah well, the mark and Toddcast will check up on that <laughs> uh, isn't it also weird that as we spin 
uh, yeah, we're spinning in place of the rotation of the earth. And then that earth is rotating around the sun and it's rotating exactly the right plane to make the North star work. Right. It doesn't change with the seasons. Okay. <laughs> there. Now I know what it's like to listen to me talk about how I don't understand how <laughs> headphones work. <laughs> <laughs> or why the moon is tidally locked too. also i have been searching for uh, a really good time machine and they just don't make them like they're going to <laughs> now see i had all this time to set up okay there we go i'll give that a wild amount of- this is two minutes should we make everyone listen to the whole thing? <laughs> Will it become funny again, Family Guy style? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, they wave. They go through different phases. <laughs> it is a real <laughs> emotional journey, that one right there. Classic. Uh, that was a good joke to come back with. Well... Not a not a joke, I guess, is the <laughs> breaking news that Willard Scott has passed away. Aww. Which and I didn't have I didn't grow up watching any of those morning type shows, so I don't have yeah. quite the the I guess nostalgia for Willard Scott, but it, he is always one of those constants that you feel like, oh Willard Scott was just always he's always been around and he always will. <laughs> um but then he was not. So um I'm reading your notes in, in that last note about him is yeah is wild really surprising yeah that is one thing i knew so well, anyway well willard scott joined the today show in 1980 and was known of course for the weather and also wishing happy birthday to fans who were turning 100 uh, brian brian the unipiper pointed out sadly he would not be able to do that special thing for himself Aww. but um did yeah things for smucker's jelly blah 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 in 1955 so he started working around 1950 uh, had a 65 year career which is pretty uh, crazy and did some more or not morning shows i guess they um but radio shows and then in the 1960s he also hosted a children's tv program playing a wide range of characters including bozo the clown uh bygone children who was i have a bozo the clown video on my youtube channel and it is just was legit he the terrifying. Bozo, bozo he was one of them because i don't think there's been there there can be only one i don't think that's the case with bozo but i want to say he was franchised to different areas if you wanted to like use the name but i could be wrong but not only was he Bozo, which I don't think I did know. What I did know, what he was the first person to play Ronald McDonald. Which is incredible. Appearing in commercials in the Washington area. That's also interesting. Starting in 1963. Hmm. So were you looking up? I'm, I'm looking up Bozo and also seeing how shockingly similar he is to <laughs> Ronald McDonald. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like a balding Ronald McDonald uh, would be with bigger hair. Right. Uh, <laughs> with kooky hair on the sides instead of... Right. That's funny. So, yes. Uh, Should I feel some, feel some time? <laughs> no, no, like, okay. So, um, uh, so many things. So, uh, I, could we make a super cut compilation of the, uh, the, the descriptions that he gives to all of the uh, centennial winners of... Because... <laughs> He'd always, you know, he'd put up the photo of someone uh, and then he'd be like, and he's a fine lad. Oh, I see like that. Oh, yeah. Like those, the feisty Bridget. Right. (laughs) And she, and he always 
commented on what they look like. Okay. Uh, based on, you know, and she's a half, yeah, five uh, redhead firecracker or whatever <laughs> right. from Bozeman, Montana. Exactly. Uh, she goes to the feed store every day to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and she she uh she says that her her key to living long is uh, a big gallon of whiskey before dinner say, eating three pickles <laughs> and drinking the dew the brine uh that's funny oh, willard scott um well we have news of the mississippi river and that is that hurricane ida which is already kind of old news at this point reversed the whole course of the mississippi river uh so temporarily uh, the, the river flowed from south to north after Ida made a landfall and underwent rapid intensification. The, the, uh, it's a phenomenon we've seen with other storms like. I can help with morning. So guess who got a new uh, a new Alexa that has a screen and a video camera in it and is constantly trying to tell me to make something with bulgur wheat. I don't know why recipes keep coming up on there. <laughs> it wanted to join the conversation. It's part of the show now. It's an Amazon Alexa in the podcasting room. Let me just I, I, cover I, my I, face I with the microphone. The, the camera is now off and the microphone's off. <laughs> sure. So, there's, sure it is. The, the camera off actually slides a it's physical It's a physical thing. slide. That is yeah. kind of cool, though. Nice. Well, all right. There you go. Sorry. Feel free to chime in again, Alexa. <laughs> it was setting up and it told me to say something. So I said, Alexa, go screw yourself. And it did, responded with confusion. Now, adorable baby draft born in Australia hmm. stands up with. Oh. oh, you can't ask it about that because I, we've turned the microphone oh, off. Oh, shoot. Now we'll never know now about that. Now we'll giraffe. never know it's about like it was, the draft. He was, it's like he was never born. He's Schrodinger's giraffe. Computer, tell us about the giraffe video. Here's something I found on the web. <laughs> According to IndiaToday.in, a video of a baby giraffe trying to take its first steps has gone viral on social media. Aww. Well, thank you for describing that to us <laughs> with your screen, with words on a screen, instead of showing us the video, Alexa. Your help is noted. <laughs> anyway. Awesome. So, yes, the <laughs> Mississippi River is going the wrong way. So that's caused by compound flooding, which a storm surge pushes water inland, but there's no way for it to drain. And it just is basically back sloshing water back up the river because it's full. Uh, so I was thinking about something similar to this yesterday as we were up in the Puget Sound area. And I'm just really, you are super distracted by the Alexa. We'll just unplug it Put over here. Face down. <laughs> Stop staring at me, Alexa. I'm not going to ask you about the weather. We've unplugged Alexa. So um, the Strait of Juan de Fuca goes from the Seattle Sound and uh, Victoria and, and Vancouver, all that stuff, and has the water going in and out of the ocean to the sound, right? The tides in that area are are pretty substantial. And, and so... Our submarine was in that area, and and we'd have a range sometimes of like not your eight, current eight. submarine, but the one that you the, were part of in the, the navy. One, right when I was in the navy, <laughs> Me and Nick's our submarine, submarine <laughs> our submarine that I used to be on in the navy uh, in the nineties, <clears throat> we would have uh, have uh, uh, tides that were 
like eight feet or more, I, I assume. I, I don't know the number. A lot. A lot. And you think about how much water that is across the entire sound going in. Okay, so are we saying that the Strait of Juan de Fuca always flows out to sea? And is that tide? Otherwise, is it flowing in? Isn't it doing <laughs> during, both? Well, it's tide comes in, tide goes out. You can't explain that, okay. as Bill O'Reilly would say. How about well? How about the Columbia River? Okay. So, at the mouth of the Columbia River is Astoria. Does it always flow out, or when a tide change happens and? five miles in goes up and down because of the tide change. Is that because the water has slowed its, is the volume of the Columbia river great enough to deal with the amount of tide flow or is it always flowing out or meaning it would always point out or is there a shift in the direction? And I think that, there's no shift in the direction of the Columbia River. Otherwise, we'd be talking about that all the time. Well, I imagine at the mouth of the river, I would imagine there is sure. some of some that. In but, the slurry. And, uh, yeah. yeah, but if the tide would raise high enough, then it would be another Mississippi River situation right. where it's affecting the flow of the entire river. Right. But So is the Strait of Juan de Fuca just a water mass and not a river like the Columbia? It's just a yeah 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 inlet it, yeah I think so because okay. it's attached on both sides like you could you can go through it but it's just a lower elevation area than so there's no flow the only flow is when the tide comes in the tide goes out I guess okay. boy you are channeling me <laughs> okay me today I've been I thinking a lot <laughs> been asking questions tide goes in tide goes out never a miscommunication you can't explain that. <laughs> Have you not ever heard that? I have heard, I have heard it. <laughs> Let's hear it again. Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never a miscommunication. You can't explain that. You can explain <laughs> why the tide goes in. <laughs> the guy's face is like, what? <laughs> anyway. You can't explain. Can't explain that. Science. <laughs> oh, oh, my All right. Word. All right. Good news. Free tampons and pads are now available in Oregon schools, which is great. Uh, Illinois, New Hampshire, California, and New York have similar laws. So the Menstrual Dignity Act was passed by Oregon legislature on July 27, and it requires schools to have menstrual products available in at least two restrooms. The rule will then expand to require all public restrooms to have at least one dispenser by 2022. According to a fact sheet on the bill, 13% of children live below poverty level in Oregon. I'm going to read that again. 13% of children in Oregon live below the poverty level and one in five teens cannot afford feminine hygiene products. So um, in a press release from Portland-based Menstrual Equity Organization, a phrase I never thought I would say, but uh, I do like their name, period. 16% of students have chosen to buy menstrual products over food or clothes as a result of the pandemic. That has impacted Latinx. Is it Latinx? Latinx? Have you ever seen that written down? I've only seen, I've seen it written it, down. I've seen it written down. Latinx? And, um, Latinx? I, I don't know how you would pronounce it. Well, either way, uh, that group, which is, oh, wow, that, that sounded way more pejorative. Those people. 
uh, rural, uh, low income and college students uh, have been hit the hardest. Um, a study found that one in four students who have their periods will miss school because of a lack of period products. So that's great news. That, that always uh, reminds me, speaking of um, of Nate Heath from Not Nerd, I need to be faster on my switch here. Vulnerable. Um, he works with a great organization that supplies um, uh, supplies like that to East Africa to uh, areas that don't have access to uh, menstrual products too, which is great and something that we kind of always forget about. So good news, bad news. The Sackler family has won immunity from all future opioid lawsuits. So the Sackler family is of course the inventor of Oxycontin. Members of the family who are at the center of the nation's deadliest opioid crisis has won sweeping immunity from yeah. opioid lawsuits linked to their company, Purdue Pharma. Uh, and they were granted, quote, global peace from any liability for the opioid epidemic. Well, it's not like they profited from it. <laughs> how, how many billions do they have? Oh, we'll get there. Oh, but first, the bad news is that they have to pay uh, $4.3 billion, but I believe, let me find mm. it here. It's pocket change. Um, they have to pay four point three, but they've made more than 10. So, Mark, if I told you I had an investment opportunity where you would give me $4.3 billion and I would give you $10 billion, would there be anything to stop you from doing that, really? <sighs> Not at all. So the deal grants, quote, releases from liability for harm caused by OxyContin and other opioids to the Sacklers, hundreds of their associates, as well as the remaining empire of company and trusts. Uh, in return, they've agreed to pay roughly $4.3 million, as well as forfeiting ownership of Purdue Pharma. The, settle, the settlement offers an opportunity to help communities with funding for drug treatment. So that's what the money will be used for. Uh, the Sacklers, who admit no wrongdoing... And by and who won by their own reckoning earned more than ten billion. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, ten billion with a B, as Nate would say, uh, will remain one of the wealthiest families in the world. So don't cry for me, Sackler family. So blah blah blah. It's a very very complicated case, and it was a very long article. So if you're curious of some of the more actual details of that, um, you can look into that. So the state. I have no, I have no, I, I, I have nothing. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> nice. Oh, following our trend, recreation on parts of the Willamette River deemed unsafe because of toxic algae. So uh, this is Labor Day weekend. So if you plan to go out uh, tomorrow, which you won't be hearing this. So when you get back to the home and wonder why you're all itchy, it's because the toxic algae can make people sick if ingested or, ca or cause skin, ear, and eye irritation if exposed to it. So avoid swimming and any recreational activity like water skiing or power boating that may cause splashing. Uh, if you're taking the jet boats, uh, wear a rain slicker like they sometimes have. It takes three things for harmful algae to bloom and to form. Uh, Slow-moving wa water, warm water, and a nitrogen load. So um, toxins cannot be removed by boiling, filtering, or treating the water with camping-style filters. So if you are... <laughs> R really? <laughs> the toxins are made of tardigrades. Oh, to toxins. The toxins, got, got, yes. yeah, yeah. So, um, so we're not talking about like E. coli. We're we're talking about bacteria. Like, yeah. So like they well bleach. Or, right, 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 right. Okay. So the toxic algae, the toxins cannot be removed by that uh, other stuff. So, do you want to take sure two, uh, two China Moon stories? China, yeah. Uh, well, or Mars stories. I mean? Mars. So it's funny because when I first read this just a second ago, 
I read it as moon helicopter. And then I was trying to figure out how they were having a helicopter on the moon. moon. Anyway, uh, China is developing its own Mars helicopter. China is looking at ways of expanding its space exploration capabilities, including through a vehicle similar in appearance to NASA's Ingenuity helicopter. A prototype of the Mars surface cruise drone passed a final acceptance review on August 20th in the National Space Science Center, or NSSC, under the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Announced on Wednesday, the rotorcraft was one of three projects in a in a technology cultivation program promoted by the NSSC. The vehicle project was led by Brian Chungjang of the NSSC. I don't know. You're the one. You're the one who's been to China, not me. <clears throat> they only have like 30 last names in the entire country. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. And uh, features a micro spectrometer, and the concept could be con- considered for future Chinese Mars exploration. But the NSSC did not identify a mission of which the drone may fly. So, um, a really spectacular idea. If you think about the fragility of of drones that we call or quadcopters or whatever, like now do that 40 (laughs) light minutes away from us uh, where literally we can't actively communicate with it because it's, 40 light minutes away from us. And and so it's entirely autonomous in a foreign environment with thin air and a much lower gravity. At least there's no birds. And there's no birds. That we know of. <laughs> well, birds are fake anyway. Um, <laughs> birds aren't real. I want to um, start spreading the rumor. Oh, this will be a good place to start. Uh, if you know anyone that um, uh, believes like in the whole contrails thing. Oh, yeah. Start telling them that it's the vaccine. They've switched it from whatever it was before, but now they've been hired by Microsoft to spread the vaccine through contrails. I thought that would be a good and and kind of harmless, harmless, harmless. quote unquote. Oh my word! Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, there's no, there, that other one's just a headline there. And China may use an existing rocket to speed up plans for a human moon mission. So. That will come into play later, which is why I left in there. But okay. lots of lots of movement with China in space. So, Mark, this next story, this built. For I me. saw and I immediately opened that tab to read later, but marked it <laughs> because this is your day, Mark. Yes. I will be gay. <laughs> that would. Madonna, but not, not Abba, but yeah. Close enough. Close enough. No. Um, am I reading this one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. So, <clears throat> take, me, take me through it. Uh, the Swedish rock group uh, Abba, who for a period of time was the number two GDP supplier of the country of Sweden, right after Volvo, uh, wow. the highest paid, uh, the, the highest grossing uh Band in history, yeah. yeah. Uh, who turned down one billion dollars to get together in uh, the year 2000 billion with a B? With a B, they could have got away with four opioid crises for that. 
<laughs> or I guess I'm like a quarter. Oh, a quarter of an opioid crisis. Uh, Abbas <laughs> is set to unveil a comeback with holograms and new songs. So they're coming out with a new new album, and they've got a their own venue in uh, Great Britain. So wow. nearly four decades after disbanding and vowing never to get back together again, Swedish superstars ABBA were expected to announce a comeback on Thursday with new songs and performances by holograms called Avatars. <laughs> no. Bjorn, come on. Um, <laughs> almost as famous for their over-the-top outfits as their music, the group had notched up over 400 million albums album sales over 50 years I, I, I added that next line. Madonna has accumulated a total record sales of more than 300 million units in the last 35 there's only one of her Mark. <laughs> there's, one. there's four Abbas uh, details are still under wraps but the group is expected to announce their first new song since the 80s as well as the launch new theatrical show in which they will perform as digital avatars or avatars and so they um uh, Frida, Agneta, Bjorn, and Benny announced on Twitter, thank you for waiting. The journey is about to get, begin. And so I've seen uh, photos of the new venue, and I've listened to the uh, two new singles that have been released of okay. the new album. <laughs> so slowly. Um, this is like the perfect You and Me song. It, it, it really is. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so in... 1980 or so, 81, I discovered in my mom's LP collection the album Super Trooper. And I instantly got ticked at my mom for not telling me about this album earlier. <laughs> and and I became obsessed with that album. And then, every, and so the first LP that I ever purchased was Greatest Hits Volume 2, uh, and <clears throat> which had all the all the great songs that, yeah. that you know and um i was just obsessed with being the fifth member of abba you know singing into my you know hairbrush uh, right right things. I was, I was that's so funny. and so for weird. some reason i just completely i must have been aware of him because like wherever you see like thrift store records or whatever there's always the abba's greatest hits or whatever but it's just something that completely passed me over and i knew nothing about like i'd heard maybe dancing queen or whatever but it's just yeah it's so funny that that's so such a huge like worldwide phenomenon that's just kind of lost on me a little bit but but i mean when you when you hear the 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 intro of super trooper and um it, come on it's it's just <laughs> magical not um, the not the movie super trooper It's almost like church pop. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, so I, mean, I, every little note, I, you know, just yeah. every, I have never been more obsessed about That's so any, out, any band or anything in yeah. my life than ABBA. Well, thankfully I've never been that obsessed with a singer at all either. <laughs> um, so yeah, very how's, exciting. How's news Lord doing? <laughs> I haven't heard of Lord in a while. <laughs> it's that one song that you couldn't stop <laughs> listening to on loop. I'll have one of those every two or three years where there's just one song that I just chew all the flavor out of and then never revisit again. <laughs> oh, speaking of chewing up, oh, that was a good, that was an oh, accidental, nice. an accidental, uh, whatever you call those <laughs> segues. There we go. So they're in, in the movie, um, 
Stand By Me. There's that scene where all the boys are on the campfire, you know, and they're talking about, and they talk about what is Pluto the, from the, from Disney, or no, what is Goofy from okay. from Disney? And they say, well, if Goofy's a dog, or if Pluto is a dog, then what is Goofy? Why does Goofy stand upright and walk around, and he's clearly a dog? Why does one of them get to be human, <laughs> okay. but the other's a dog or whatever? Which wasn't as confusing to me as what is Grimace? What is Grimace? From, speaking of, yeah, Ronald McDonald yeah. again, the old purple Grimace. So the manager of a McDonald's franchise in Canada has re- revealed the story behind Grimace. Uh, Brian Bates, who has worked for the chain for 10 years, casually dropped into an interview on CBS News. He says, he is an enormous taste bud, but a taste bud nonetheless. What? <laughs> he told the network it was a quote, un- unofficial explanation, adding that the character was meant to show that the food tastes good. McDonald's has been unusually tight-lipped about the purple creature's origins over the years. The closest they've come was explaining um, a few various tweets, but then, and I cut it out of the story, but then there's one from like McDonald's corporate that they're like, yep, that he's a taste bud. <laughs> so Grimace, who was actually a villain early on, or, or a milkshake, they always try to pass him off as a milkshake, but clearly he doesn't look like a milkshake. He kind of looks like little taste buds and papillier, papillier. He looks like a a big gumdrop. Yeah, he does look like a gumdrop. But have you seen... Oh, I didn't use... Google... See if you can Google taste bud and get like a reverse... There's like a purple reverse image like where they color it. And he does sort of look like that shape. So in... Are you seeing If you search for purple taste bud, the fourth image is Grimace. (laughs) It was hiding in plain sight all yeah. along. Oh, he doesn't look like that onion bulb thing at all. That <clears> one, <throat> I think they were kind of showing. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Grimace the taste bud. What? Uh, well, speaking of taste food and <laughs> taste boots, taste, boots uh, taste buds and fast food, in and out is looking to buy a $3.3 million <clears throat> Tualatin property, according to the Business Journal uh, at 17070 southwest 77th avenue i think 17070 was actually my tigered address number of all things that's weird uh it was used to be the village inn it's across from bridgeport village oh yeah um wait i used to visit that village inn yeah oh i it throws me off that they call that tualatin Right, because it's is a weird area. I was thinking out in Beaverton for some reason, but no. oh yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's village right in. I have been there too. Yeah. Oh, that'll be nice. Although I still, it's been two years since that one in Kaiser. Uh, open Kaiser. Oh, I didn't. I barely knew her. 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 Okay. All right. Let's settle down. <laughs> I say to myself because I was doing that all. <laughs> Uh, so when asked for specifics on the Tualatin property, in and out spokesman said, uh, we're unable to offer a comment as we don't speak publicly on financial information or business strategies. But I think the talks have been there for, um, a couple of years. So do you know anything about the ownership of in and out burger? I'm pretty sure it's private and they're religious because totally they have yeah. the things on the cups, but that's it. So, oh, and they don't want to have locations where they couldn't have, they couldn't drive to. For quality right. assurance, right for for their beef and and getting it, they didn't want to have to freeze their beef. Oh, so, okay, okay, okay. So they wanted to be within uh, driving distance and a refrigerator uh, vehicle instead of a, a freezer vehicle. So, um, 
Uh, we should look <laughs> look up details, but one of the youngest billionaires in the world uh, is the owner, uh, the the major stockholder of In and Out Burger. She like haphazardly inherited everything from the grandmother who is the and she like and so like at twenty or something I don't know what the age was and she was the lineage to the In and Out empire. And she owns it. And so she's like, I guess we'll have more. Well, I knew that was a, I knew that was a big controversy because I mean, I don't think it was just, just because of the beef reason, but the two owners did want to be able to drive, be able to drive to those locations like in a day or whatever to check things out. And that's why they were only in uh, California and the surrounding areas that they could drive through. Although there's been one in like, Dallas for a long time or one of those places, which is weird, but so, I still have not been to the one in Kaiser because it's always like five hour wait to it. So, so she's the president and owner of in and out burger. She's now 39 Jeez. and, um, was so in 2012 when she inherited everything, she was the youngest American female billionaire. Wow. Um, as the sole beneficiary of family trust, Whoa. she is currently in and out's majority owner and ultimately received control of the company's stock in its entirety on her 35th birthday, becoming the sole owner. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. She looks Can nice. Can you imagine? <laughs> she seems nice. She seems nice. That is nuts. Uh, well, we have one more story that is just delightful. I haven't played the whole thing, and I know this is old news by now because uh, everybody else has played it, but it's another one of those things I wanted to have on our podcast so years later I can remember this moment, and that is a um, a school... Are you going to show me something? I was just going to show you what she looks like. Oh, she looks nice. She, she looks, looks, kind of looks like... She looks like, like every girl I went to school with. Every girl <laughs> every, church. every Dutch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> every Dutch girl I went to church and school with. Yep. Um... So a Virginia school board appeared to have been fooled by some sort of prank. So during a hearing last week, um, they were reading off the names of who oh, we yes. thought uh, were likely <laughs> concerned citizens waiting to speak. His list was likely submitted by a prankster no. because it was made up names that sound silly and sometimes obscene. So just hearing this play out out loud. So she's... <laughs> Phil McCracken. Sulk, Sook, Mahidic. He didn't quite do that one right. Ophelia McHawk. <laughs> Ophelia McHawk. Sofa King. Dover. I'm surprised on that one they didn't all. Eileen Dover. <laughs> Eileen Dover. Don Kedick. Oh, Donkey Dick. <laughs> Don Kedick. <laughs> Wayne Kerr. <laughs> Wayne Kerr. Oh. Oh, that poor man. That is just so Wanker. funny. Uh, wanker. Phil McCracken. Phil. Phil McCracken. <laughs> that is just so delightful. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, so that's the end. 
awesome. <laughs> I did want to note though your shirt. I probably use oh, it yeah. as the image, um, which you said you bought, of course, at Walmart. Yes, which is an eagle head wearing like the what? How would you describe those glass, those sunglasses? That sunglasses type, douchebag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know the guy. So yes, I'll, I'll complete the picture. So there's that eagle head wearing a a American flag bandana with glasses. And if you're picturing somebody who would wear an American flag bandana, picture the glass, the sunglasses that you would see those people wear. <laughs> so the, pr- the yeah, yeah, the proud boy, the proud boy glasses. But I yeah, was going to say that glasses, yeah. much much like we were talking about noise cancelization, cancelization, cancelization. Cancellation? Cancellation? Noise cancellation? Hello? What's going on right now? That is sort of like your your uh, gay cancellation yes. <laughs> from earlier. Your ABBA shirt <laughs> meets the meets their redneck shirt, which yeah. is pretty delightful. Is yeah. And so I I tried to get a new redneck shirt each fourth of July. Oh, because they, right. they all come Fun. out for fourth of July. Yeah, I remember your other one. You had your that's your profile picture still. Is. Yeah, yeah, it's an eagle flying over you know, that flag <laughs> the or twin something. Towers or something. Oh, I shouldn't say that. That's so sweet. It's easy. Never forget. Um, oh, it's yeah. been it's been that long. Twenty Has years. It Twenty. Ooh. So, huh? Six more days. Huh. That was a day. <laughs> no, no, I, there's no way to get out of Ned, this. Now. Don't vulnerable, <laughs> vulnerable, vulnerable. All right. So I went, it was one of those weeks where I was like, oh, what should I do for a topic? And I look at the lit, the random list that I keep in on my phone of, of different topics that are just out of context. So I have to go look them up again. And there was one I, I had about uh, two women named Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed who were super famous and terrifying pirates. And I was like, oh, that'll be fun. And so I started watching... Uh, some videos on that and reading that. And it turned into one of those things where it's like, it was like an hour and a half documentary or whatever. But the first 45 minutes was like, everything you know about pirates is wrong. And that's why and I'm like, this is too much. This is like, right. they never buried treasure and they never, nobody ever had a peg leg. And like, none of that stuff is true <laughs> at all. Um, so I didn't want to get into that. And then another topic was why, what's the first thing? Well, I know what you'll, I know how you'll sway on this one. When I say lithium, what do you think of? Uh, so battery or, or pharmaceutical. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was like, why, why are we taking medicine out of like batteries? Like why, what is going on with lithium? That's so amazing. And it is quite interesting and stuff like that. And, but, um, for one reason or another, it just wasn't that interesting for a topic. Although I did flag this thing of uses of lithium. So what do you think the biggest use for lithium at 29% of the use of lithium goes to what would you say? Huh. It's, it's a type of metal, right? Like it's, yeah. it's considered a metal. Yeah. Which is weird because I thought they, I thought they administered it as a gas, but I think I'm thinking of something else because you right. can take lithium sodium, pills. Probably sodium gas. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. You would consume that though. Um, but yeah, it is, is a it, metal. Is it added to another metal to create a, an amalgamate of some sort? Uh, no, it is the, what, it is what? listed third on the periodic table. It is the second lightest oh. or it might be the lightest metal. It will like float sure. in gasoline and yeah. you can cut it with a knife. And Oh, interesting. So the biggest use, I won't just make you guessing. The, <laughs> the second, at, it's, all right. Boat materials? Uh, ceramic and glass for some reason. So they, 
it's probably an additive well, to, to, for strength and yeah. strength or because it is super clarity. light. And then so ceramics, then batteries right underneath that at twenty seven percent, and then down at twelve percent is grease, and then you get like the little fives and four percent of air treatment, polymers, aluminum, uh, and then other. So huh. yeah, so lithium is interesting, but that's not what I decided uh, to end up talking about because okay. I want to pro- talk about Project A one one nine also known as a study of lunar research flights. So put yourself back in the Cold War, Mark. Okay. We are post-World War II. We are starting to flex our atomic muscles. Now the Soviet Union sends Sputnik into space and Yuri Gagarin into space. America starts panicking. We're, we're looking weak. We need to start winning this war. I am handing the keys to the car over to Mark Middleton because he seems like he would know <laughs> what we can do to really show off our power and might as we enter into this nuclear arms race that will eventually come out of this. Okay. That's right, Mark. We should <laughs> blow up a nuclear bomb on the moon. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> So I can't see anything wrong with trying to get a nuclear uh, projectile out of our atmosphere. Yes. So let's strap it on top of a big explosion and <laughs> right right where people live <laughs> and then let's light that on fire and and hope for the best. Yes. So thankfully that is the the conclusion that they came to also. I don't know why that conclusion wasn't reached the first day, <laughs> the first however long that took you seconds of the meeting that this was going to happen. Um but we were America had just um had a couple rockets crash that we were we were trying to send into this space with uh, Project Vanguard, it was, cr- it was called. So we were in the, quote, Sputnik crisis, as the media called it. So as they were trying to reclaim our lost ground, uh, the United States launches the Explorer 1 and also creates DARPA and NASA in 1958. Mm. So yes, nuclear explosions on the moon. So in 1958, the Armor Research Foundation... Um, began covertly researching the potential consequences of a nuclear explosion on the moon. Uh, that agency was uh, studying the effects of nuclear explosions in our environment, and then in 1958 looked into the moon. The main objective of the program was to cause a nuclear explosion that would be visible from Earth. It was hoped that such a display would boost the morale of the American people. It would be pretty badass. It but... would be very badass. <laughs> so the only way to make it... it I mean, even a nuclear bomb on the moon would be almost impossible to see from Earth. So their plan was to do it on the what's called the moon's terminator, which is the point between the light and the dark side to do it a little bit on the dark side so that it would send up the dust plume that would be then illuminated by the sun from behind. And so we'd be able to see it on the edge of that Uh uh, terminator point. So So think about think about that meeting when you have astrophysicists meeting with uh basically directors of photography <laughs> of like how do we light this <laughs> maybe that's how stanley kubert got involved <laughs> how would we film this a hundred percent so it was a 10-member team led by leonard rifle and it was uh, at the illinois institute of technology among the researchers was the astronomer Ger- uh, gerard kuiper 
and a doctoral student of his who is responsible for the mathematical projection of the expansion of the dust cloud in the space around the moon, which was the essential element, of course, in making it visible. So they initially wanted to use a hydrogen bomb, but it would be too be too heavy to be propelled by the missile, which they were going to use. So then they used a W-25 warhead, which is a small lightweight, lightweight warhead with a low 1.7 kiloton yield. Um, and just for contrast, the bombs on Hiroshima in 1945 had a 13 to 18 ton or kiloton. So it was about a tenth of those bombs at 1.7 kilotons. So it'd be carried carried by a rocket toward the shadowed side of the moon where it would detonate on impact. Um, the project was then canceled in 1959, thankfully, <laughs> by the Air Force. Uh, because of the, obviously all of the risks that you pointed out, if anything went wrong on launch, falling back to Earth, exploding on the launch pad, missing the moon, and then slingshotting like Star Trek IV, the voyage home, back to Earth, or the possible, uh, possible implications of nuclear fallout, which would affect future lunar research process uh, projects about colonization. So there were reports of China and Russia planning to do the same thing because we were all trying to show off our bombs and a little too nervous to maybe do it on earth anymore. Um, so they had a, a couple different projects, uh, uh, Russia and, and China. So in 1963, the part, uh, the partial nuclear test ban went into effect and the outer space treaty in 1967 prevented the future exploration of the concept. By that time, the United States and the Soviets had performed, uh, performed several high altitude nuclear explosions, uh, like Operation Hardtack, Operation Argus, Operation Dominic 1 and 2, and the K Project. In 1969, the United States had achieved a victory uh, with their Apollo 11 mission anyway, so we didn't need to uh, have our little interstellar dick measuring contest <laughs> right. by exploding the moon. So all of this, of course, was um, never... Ser- I mean, I to say seriously considered, like right. put into action or whatever, but it was very, very classified which leads to the question, how do we know about this? So the existence of the project uh, 1119 remained largely secret to the mid-1990s when a writer named Key Davidson discovered the story while researching the life of uh, Kuiper's graduate student mentioned above, who was Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan accidentally broke classification laws by talking about his project on an application for an academic scholarship. And when the guy was researching a book, he came across that scholarship and saw what he was talking about and the names of the paper, which we mentioned the possible, the 1958 paper possible contribution of lunar nuclear weapons detonations to the solution of some problems in planetary astronomy, which is like the, the, the Amazon name product name right, right. <laughs> of paper name, which like a wish, almost like a wish name, <laughs> just yes. throwing in the entire, yeah. um, so yeah, and, the, and so that came to light, and then that led um, that original um, Manning rifle to break his anonymity and write a letter to the journal confirming that Sagan's activity had been uh, considered a breach, but it was far enough in the past that uh, he did he did say that it was something that they did. So this is not we have actually exploded things on the moon before, as recently as two thousand nine nine two thousand nine. You see. Two thousand nine, nine. Uh, when NASA confirmed that water was detected after the Centaur impacted uh, its crater, so yeah, they sent a a kinetic energy impactor 
uh, which it was called, uh, which was only partially successful because it was only uh, it was underpowered, but it did seem to um, send up some water particles on the moon, which is why we know that there is at least some water type element on the moon, probably frozen in all right. that lunar soil. So. That is the story of Project A eleven nineteen A eleven nine A one one nine, a study of lunar research flights. So, so crazy. Like this reminded me of like that one war of Wikipedia that we had where they wanted to put listening devices in cats during right. the Cold War, but then like they couldn't control the cats obviously <laughs> because, and because they're, they're cats. cats and like poisoning Castro using LSD <clears> and his. <throat> I've been watching the Netflix series Explained, which is uh, it's it's on its third season now and has like 10 episodes per season. So there's a lot of episodes. They're 25 minutes long each and they go into topics that aren't generally talked about like like this. So they they'll do a deep dive into a topic about and one of them is pirates and so, so they they give like the the 25 minute overview of the history of pirates and like where they stand now, you know and and all the things that you said about yeah oh, this isn't right and how we glorify raping and pillaging and and we, we swashbuckling you know, all, all the things Dora that, the explorer so, now is pirates in it exactly in other words. and um and so they do they do a lot of really great topics, including like sugar and uh, oh, modern art and uh, athletic wear and fashion around that. What's it called? It's explained. Like, explained. And Ooh. so the yeah, it's it's a topic that you'll you will like. It's it's a show that you will like. That sounds great. They're very bite sized and uh, and so uh, while I I was kind of stuck here at the house on Friday. And I was working, which for me is just writing code. So while I was writing code, I just had that plane. And oh, neat. It, it was perfect background fodder because if I missed something, it wasn't a point of the plot. Right, you know? right, right. And so I well, I, that one, that yeah. show alone, which is about yeah. like living, that was yeah, another yeah. thing that was like very soothing to have on in the background because it's just some other person quietly working on something <laughs> right. that they're doing. Trying to stay alive. Yeah, trying to stay alive <laughs> while I'm shoving, <laughs> shoving mini corn, corn dogs. nuts in your face. Yeah. <laughs> that bag of corn dog, mini corn dogs that I buy. And they're just like the tots from Pups and Tots or Pups from the Pups and Tots at, right. at the Lowbrow Lounge. Oh, they're so good. Those were the days. So good. That place is still there, isn't it? They would have to yeah, be. They'd have to the be. The Lowbrow. Yeah. Um, I was just quick trying to quick look up. There's the golden age of piracy, uh, which was between the 1650s and the 1730s. But all of these things that we quote unquote know about pirates came from one book. I was trying to find the name and now I can't find it, but like written in the 1700s called like the history of pirates. And like, it was just all made up or whatever. And like conjecture and just like, I mean, everything back then was just like stories anyway. And so everything that we get from that, from the peg leg to the, like only one pirate in history has buried treasure and it was because like they were literally being chased and it was like a quick, we'll throw it off the boat and then wrap around to quick pick it up again. It wasn't like, like that happened once on accident, right. but like that's our whole conception of pirates. I've never read Treasure Island. But no, I but a lot of a lot like of what they wear and the peg like leg. Came and, down uh, to Treasure Island. Yep. Robert Louis Stevenson. <laughs> and, yep. Then, and then, and then that, that, 
famous uh, Coca-Cola ad from the 50s. It <laughs> seems like Coca-Cola <laughs> drives so much yeah, modern that's, culture. And that's why like, Santa looks like that. And exactly. Disney is why we all think lemon, lemmings throw themselves off a cliff, <laughs> right. which they just chased off because they needed something to film. <laughs> oh, Disney. Uh, anyway, awesome. so that's all I have for today. Anything exciting coming up in anything? <laughs> what's, ha- what's happening in life no. right now? I don't think so. No, there's not. And um, it's it's Labor Day weekend and then Halloween. So yeah, we saw true. our first Halloween dire- decorations out in front of a house yesterday in oh, Squim, Washington. Wow. Like, wow, that, that person's a forward thinker. And we're like, well, technically, that's kind of the next holiday <laughs> To decorate for, that's just a you terror. don't like. I guess it's just at the end of next month already. Right. I do have a feeling that um, Halloween in the next five years is going to be just completely ruined, kind of like how Christmas is, because it's it's something new. I mean, Halloween isn't new, but like kind of this the widespread celebration of Halloween has really exploded in the last couple of months, and now or a couple of years, and now companies are seeing that, so it'll be like. It'll be like like what pumpkin spice lattes are, but to Halloween and Christmas. Yeah. So enjoy it while it's still somewhat <laughs> unexploited. So, all right. I guess there's nothing else. We'll have a Portland the movies at some point at some point this month. I need to hear the Mexican city of Guadalajara. 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 Denters clattering around <laughs> his mouth. Well, Lou like, Dobbs and his and giant we still teeth. don't know what he was trying to say, right? Because the word he was trying to say was like Guadalajara? Guadalajara. The Mexican city of Guadalajara. Guadalajara. Oaxaca. Oh, maybe. Guadalajara. No. And they weren't close to Oaxaca. And, Oaxaca, maybe he got and him, if he was reading Oaxaca, it wouldn't come out like that. That's true. I, it probably was Oaxaca. He did that thing where he his brain wanted to commit to the accent, but his voice wasn't letting him. <laughs> Don't do it, Lou Dobbs. This is what they cancel people for. Uh, all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll just finish this a little bit. It's close enough. Close enough to Abba to make me. No. All right. What's the original? What's that song called? That call is gimme, gimme, gimme is yep. what that means. A man after midnight. Parent- parenthetical, a man after midnight. Mm. It's kind of rocking. I don't know if I've ever heard this song. Really? That's. I didn't need to. I already heard the Madonna version, Mark. <laughs> oh. All right. Oh, yeah. All right, Abba. You have my attention. Are there... See, and I was never a huge but fan the of... drop into the... Uh, to, oh, go, yeah, go... Yeah, go back. Just, it, the drop that they go into the lyrics with right up here... Is, it, like, it establishes and, and dives in. You are a dancing queen, Mark. I will be gay. All right. See you guys later. Bye.